welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hi, my name is Alyssa Doucette. I am the founder and managing editor of Craft Your Content, which is an editorial and writing coaching agency. Uh, so basically, I lead a team of super fantastic editors, writing coaches, wordsmiths, extraordinaire. Our tagline is that we like to help people make their own words even better. So we work in a very collaborative environment with very driven writers who are kind of committed to improving the craft of their writing. They are, have been writing for a while and they know that they kind of want to close the gap and get to that next place where their writing is getting even better. Um, and we get to help them do that. So we work remotely. I have team members all over the world uh, and we do everything through the cloud and Google Docs and things like that to, again, help driven writers kind of edit, coach, improve their writing. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Can you talk, walk through a little bit of how you kind of structure um, your team? Sure. So my team is set up, as I said, we all work remotely. Um, I do currently have the structure in place. The majority of our clients are based in the Americas, Europe, uh, Africa, not so much um, Southeast Asia and Oceania. So I do request that my current team members kind of either live in the Americas, European, African time zone core or be very comfortable working in those hours, um, mostly just for the ease of team communication. I personally, having a uh, digital remote company, I don't like being told like when to work, how to work, where to work. So I don't like having telling my team members that. So I have a very strict policy that you can work wherever you want, whenever you want, just as long as you hit the deadlines for assignments we kind of try to all be in that like 12 hour time zone, having done a lot of years in Southeast Asia. And then, yeah, basically it is myself. Uh, I guess I work full-time um, as, as most digital entrepreneurs, some, some weeks I'm working like 70, 80, 90 hours a week. Um, I'm definitely not by virtue of my own work ethic, never going to be one of those people who, does three hours a week and never wants to show up for anything else. I like the company that I've built and the team that I have. So I like working like 20, 30 hours with them at minimum. Um, then I have an executive assistant. She is phenomenal. She is the person who kind of like runs all of our assignments, does all of the communications, um, organizes Alyssa, which is quite a Herculean task for anyone who has ever tried to work with Alyssa. Um, and then she also does a lot of the logistics, the clerical, the admin type stuff. Uh, and we have a director of production who is my most tenured uh, team member. She has been with me since the very, very beginning in 2015. Um, and she now basically runs production. So if anything is getting published, if anything is getting launched, if anything is getting put out to the world, uh, Erica is the person who handles it. 
Um, she is also uh, affectionately known on our team as the Alyssa Whisperer, um, in that she knows what Alyssa's brain is doing a lot of the time that other people may not quite understand where I'm going or what I'm doing with something. Um, and then we usually have anywhere from four to seven independent contractors uh, who get to tell me they basically um, come on, we hire them on, I have an idea of the hours that will be needed. But after a few uh, 90 days, usually their probation period, we'll ask them, how many hours do you feel comfortable working? How many pieces a day do you like getting? And kind of build the structure that way so that we can make sure that people are getting to work again, how they want, where they want, with what they want, and making sure that our assignment needs are still being fulfilled. Absolutely. Thanks so much for the breakdown, Alyssa. If you don't mind me asking, you said something really interesting kind of halfway through there when you were talking about working with your assistant um, in particular mm -hmm. and how some of that role is honestly like, you know, helping not only to help you, but also adding some of that additional like accountability um, and organization and structure. What are some of, and I know that's something that a lot of managers and especially founders, including myself, struggle with is like, how do you actually find a good assistant? And also what is the best way to kind of onboard them and ensure that they're actually providing like a ton of additional resources for you and helping you out as opposed to just creating almost more work for yourself? Yeah, I think, well, with this particular executive assistant, I found her name's Luina. Um, I'm not, I almost don't want to tell anyone her last name because I don't want people to go and like find her and take her away from me. But um, I, I found her, the first thing I did that was specifically different, um, kind of two things. I specifically hired for someone who did have project management or assistant kind of background and like a proven track record of it in that I asked them specifically for references um, for people that I could talk to that they have done project management or assistance for. I mean, most of us as founders, we're not gonna necessarily say something bad about someone that we have worked with or are working with, but at the same time, you can kind of tell by a lot of inflections or hemming or different things like that if they don't really, wouldn't necessarily recommend them. Um, so I did that primarily. And the second thing was actually, um, I was working with this fantastic business coach at the time. Everyone should go work with her. Her name's Alessandra Zizelinski. And she had basically, you know, I, I had been talking at one point that I'd attempted to hire this position before. I've had, you know, managing editors, assistants, project managers, things like that. And that I felt like I was deficient, that I was constantly not living up to what needed to be done, kind of what you're describing. Like, how do I delegate? How do I choose? Like, how do I do all of this? I am a very one busy person and two, like, jump in the ditch person. So if stuff's not getting done, I will just jump in the ditch and do it. I have absolutely, I, I need things to be done. So if they're not getting done, I will jump in and do it. And I will not be happy about having to jump in the ditch and do it if I continuously have to keep on doing it, which was overwhelming for a lot of people previously. Um, additionally, I hired 
people that I think were very much like me. And so they were like very creative, sensitive, organized, but not necessarily driven in the way that they, you know, they were competitive and they absolutely wanted to get things done and they wanted to win and they wanted to do the things. Um, they were much more like me, who's a little bit more laid back a little bit, just kind of trying to, you know, get the best products out that are absolutely possible. So what she had suggested is basically like, write that in your job ad, say that like, this is the type of leader that I am. This is the type of person that I am. These are some of my strengths and some of my weaknesses. And I need whoever applies for this position to come in and be the opposite of this. I need someone who's going to come in and compliment me in this way. Like I have a lot of stress and overwhelm. I am single in my personal life. I am a solopreneur. I am a solo founder. Like the buck stops with me in everything. So I can't be that person for my assistant all the time. I need my assistant to be that person for me. I don't have that support necessarily. Um, so she was just basically like, why don't you include that in the ad and just be very upfront and like blunt almost so that people know what they're getting into because the type of person that would be attracted to a job where someone was saying that is someone who is that like driven, organized, yes, I can help you and will apply and jump in and do that. So that was kind of the, the, the hiring, um, how I did it. Uh, and I was really, really happy with her advice and doing it that way because I did get a lot of people. I got some people that I feel like were maybe a little bit overconfident in that particular <laughs> way of doing things. But, um, but I ended up also with Melina who ended up being a great fit. Um, and then the next thing that I really had to learn and remember with having someone, you know, who is essentially like my executive assistant, my admin, my task runner, my person on the team was I, I had to be patient with her onboarding. Like there was no way that she was going to come onto the team and within the first 30, 60 days, like fulfill everything that I expected that role to be able to do. So instead I kind of onboarded her a, a little bit more casually, let her get familiar with things and then just kind of started adding more assignments. I do a lot of Loom requests to her. Um, so L-O-O-M as opposed to Z-O-O-M. Um, but I do a lot of Loom requests of like, hey, I have this thing, it needs to be like this, can you make it happen? Um, and she'll put it together in a spreadsheet or she'll put it together in you know, copy that needs to go out. She now writes our newsletter pieces, parts of it, which are fantastic and a huge help to me. Um, so yeah, kind of like things like that. It, it took probably, I would say a good like three to six months for us to really get into a groove where she was in that space. And there were a couple of conversations of like, I feel like I really need you to like be there. Um, and she, you know, had a couple of times that she was like, I really want to be there, but I don't know where there is. So I need you to give me that now so that I can take care of it for you going forward. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it, it took a patience 
to let her come into the role, figure out how to make it her own, learn everything about CYC and about me to like provide me the best support that I needed. Absolutely. You shared so many like insights that I kind of wanted to dive in even more to. I am a rambler. Apologies. No, I love it. Like this is like gold in the fact of like just the simple idea of like listing out just like being aware of your strengths and weaknesses and like listing that in the job post when you're looking for an assistant is just super, super smart. Um, but you said something like really interesting around like the interview process and like the references. And I feel like, I don't know, I can just speak from my own experience that like oftentimes doing reference checks doesn't really help out much because of course the person, the candidate who you're talking to is going to give you only references of people that you know, are going to speak well of them. What are some of the ways that you can kind of ask questions to kind of see, kind of skirt those edges and be able to kind of get like what really happened as opposed to just the general response of, oh yeah, this person was great. Um, I think for me, um, and I, (laughs) fortunately I live in the online space and work with very few Americans. So I'll preempt with that, not necessarily because I have anything against Americans to be clear, but um, there are a lot of HR and um, like American um, I like I think they're actually legally like you're not allowed to ask that kind of things. So what I'll do is I'll ask kind of the the primary questions like, you know, did they work there? Like how, how did it go? Did you like working with them? That kind of stuff. And then I always ask like, would you hire them again? Or would you continue working with them? Kind of stuff like that. And usually from that, how was the work there? And would you hire them again? I get a lot of the impression about what that person really thinks of them. And so I kind of, if, if they're really forthcoming, if they're really um, good about it, things like that, I, t- I can tell that I can ask like a few more questions. And if they're really hedging, if they're like, yeah, you know, like, I think, I think I'd work with them again. They, they did a good job or, um, as soon as someone's starting to talk like that, you can tell that either one, they don't really know a lot about the person. And so that actually tells me I don't want to hire that person as an assistant because they gave me someone who they thought would talk well about them, but wasn't informed to talk about them. And so either way, that's not someone who has like the honesty, integrity, and like disclosure that I would want in someone that, you know, is, is handling massive, important logistics of my company. And if they are, have someone else who's just effusive and happy and like wants to tell me everything about that person, if they're able to speak about it professionally and like tell me anecdotes and stories, then I know that that person, you know, one has referred me someone as a reference that, that is quality, that does know their work, but also they're, they're, they are themselves a good candidate. Like this person is talking them up, not only personally, not only in a way that like, oh yeah, my friend listed me and it, it was really good. Um, instead it's, you know, oh my God, this person's amazing. You must hire them. Um, I think of a former uh, contractor that I've worked with multiple times. He was a graphic designer and video producer. 
And he asked if he could use me as a reference for a major, major job that he was applying for with a huge um, internet company. And I was like, sure, of course. And when I ended up talking to his interviewer, I was just like, oh my God, Rodrigo's amazing. Like you are a fool if you do not hire him. Hire him now. Like, if I had the money, I would have him here full time. If I had like the money and the graphic design needs, he's amazing. He, you want him on your team. Um, and he ended up getting the job because like, why wouldn't you hire someone that's reference is saying that as opposed to either hedging and being like, yeah, I guess they were good or um, not really being able to talk about them at all. Yeah, absolutely. That's such good advice. And kind of going to what you said a little bit earlier in the conversation when you were talking about like giving looms to your assistant, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of got the impression and that that's your company culture is very much kind of tied towards async comms. Would that be accurate? Yeah, she and I have a weekly conversation. So we have a standing conversation every Tuesday morning, um, again, because she's in Kenya. Um, And I am currently in the East Coast of the U.S. I do travel back and forth between the East Coast of the U.S. and Scotland. But either way, I'm definitely like behind her in hours. Um, So we have that standing conversation. But then for other stuff, if there's projects that I need her to do, if there's stuff that I need her to kind of create or hypothesize or whatnot, I find it just a lot easier for me to, you know, drop a note in Slack and be like, hey, I need you to do this project. And then quite honestly, like, let me know if you need more details or this doesn't make sense. And then she's very honest of like, no, that was super straightforward. You literally just asked me to create a spreadsheet with these three data points that I can already find. I don't need more help. Um, Or (laughs) something like, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking me. And you have literally listed seven different things in this one paragraph of request. So can you please loom it to me? <laughs> um, and so so that's the kind of point that we'll do everything. My team is very asynchronous. Everything is done um, asynchronously. I will hop on a call with anyone at any point that they want. They have their special like Calendly link that is exclusive to them that is almost wide open in my schedule to be available to them. But asynchronously is easier for all parties concerned. Um, Again, because we work when we want, where we want, how we want. Uh, That is a value and culture of CYC. So with her, I will drop her a Slack note to ask her to do something. um, And then she will just write back to me. Or if I'm typing the Slack note and I'm like, this doesn't even make sense to me in my head. And I like actually know what I'm talking about. I'll I'll then immediately just record a loom and send it to her to be like, and does that make sense? Or do we need to add this to the Tuesday conversation? (laughs) Um, Which which quite honestly does does happen. More than, I would say more than people would think, but anyone who knows me would be like, yeah, that trends. Yeah, absolutely. This is something I feel like is a little bit more nuanced from from the specifics of like people who started working remotely for the very first time, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic. But like, I've seen this personally and also kind of heard about it a lot of a lot of people who really have a really hard time adjusting to like an async first communication culture because 
the source introduction to remote work was literally, you know, with almost no notice, everyone started working from home <laughs> in March of 2020. And suddenly it was, let's just recreate the office culture remotely. And they have like eight to 10 Zoom meetings every day, which to me sounds like Ugh. absolute hell. Um, and then they go into a new role where suddenly, you know, it is an async first culture and they don't have as many meetings and they struggle with that. I, so I guess kind of my rambling way of asking this is what is some of the things that you look for when you're looking to either work with a contractor or an employee um, who, you know, understands what async culture, it, who can actually work asynchronously and do that well? Like what are some of the traits that you look for? Yeah. So when I'm hiring, I, um, I actually internally, personally go through a very multi-step process uh, especially when I'm hiring for editing, uh, editor and writing coaching contractors in that basically we have them send in a cover letter and an application based on, you know, the, the job posting that we put out and I create a matrix essentially. And immediately throughout anyone who doesn't follow the Easter eggs or that just doesn't have the either correct skills or the correct, um, tone and style that I want for CYC. So our people are very collaborative. They are very interested in helping writers improve their craft. Um, they are teachers, they are coaches. And when you put out an ad for an editor, especially if I get, you know, copy editors or proofreaders, I get a lot of people who are very much like, oh, and you know, this is the way that things have to be done. And this is how I, you know, I, I edit things and I like to do it this way. I immediately know to discount those people, not only because they're not going to be good fits with the culture of CYC. I've had to let editors go before who I felt like didn't, um, didn't quite understand that our job is not necessarily just to come in like bulls in a China shop, making writing what we think it's supposed to be. Instead, we're supposed to work with writers collaboratively to help them become the best writers that they can be by helping them improve their writing. The other thing is people like that tend to not do very well working asynchronously. <laughs> if you are not a collaborative thinker and a collaborative worker, asynchronous is going to be hellish for you um, because you constantly want to know how things are done and want to know where in async, like you have to figure out a lot of that stuff on your own. You have to make the best decision that you can make with the information that you have. So weed those people out and then I'll do this matrix um, answering, you know, based on the short list that I've now created and then invite those people to do a test. And so then I'll create a separate matrix for all the people who've done the test um, and I'll score people there. Obviously I score everyone on a scale of one to 10 on various factors. So it is very much personalized to who the person is, what their answers are, different things like that. But for my brain, it helps for me to be able to put in those kind of gut instinct, personal ratings of one to 10, but then be able to look at that kind of comprehensively on a very logistic, rational basis of seeing where the scores ended up weighted so that I know that I'm scoring them with what my personal thoughts and desires are, 
but I can kind of look in a sea of all of that, like feeling and thought to, to rationally, again, decide who the best candidates are going to be out of all of that. You know, I might love someone's answer of X, Y, Z in this particular part, but I scored them really low in everything else. And I didn't really realize that until I looked at their comprehensive score. And then that makes me realize, you know, oh, that's, they're, they're not going to be a good fit. And one of the, the columns that we have is kind of CYC, um, it, it's called culture currently. I don't know how I feel about that term, <laughs> but like how well does it seem that they follow CYCs, our values, our style, our communication patterns, things like that? Because, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to asynchronously teach someone how to be a good coach. I want to help them again, improve as coaches, improve as editors, but I'm not going to be able to asynchronously do that. So I look for those people. Then I do interviews with the top three candidates. So those are verbal, Zoom, video. I tell people right off in the email, like this is a casual conversation. Please do not feel that you have to put on makeup or dress up for it. Like the chances I'm going to be in a messy top knot and athleisure wear is going to be extremely high when we get onto this conversation. So this is just so that I can get to know you better. And in that conversation, I will flat out ask them, what is your experience working asynchronously? What are your backup plans? How do you feel when you're not given direction, when you're not given an answer, like in the moment that you feel like you need it? Do you feel okay working by yourself? Um, I had a prior uh, managing editor, this kind of assistant person we were talking about, one of her biggest struggles in the position was that she got lonely working by herself in her office all day long. So like, obviously CYC was not a great fit for her because she didn't like working asynchronously and not having people to talk to and be around and that sort of thing. So um, that, that was a lesson I learned from her is really making sure that we have people that are excited to be able to solve problems on their own and excited to be able to work directly with our clients and do that kind of stuff and not necessarily need me to, to hold their hand or to do all of their training and everything else. Like I hire you as a contractor because you are a professional in your field please come work for my company. I want you to add to my team and I want to help you become a better editor. That's such a good point of like kind of knowing those traits up front. And I, you said something like really interesting there. And like, I, it, like, I know your team is really, really close knit. And something that you said that was really interesting was like, hey, I don't want to teach, I don't necessarily want to teach somebody like, you know, A to B to C, like, you know, how to actually be like, you know, like, you know, the values and just find people like, you know, who already kind of have the same values as your team, but like still being able to like, you know, teach if you need to like some of the like skills. Was that, would you say that's kind of accurate? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's a big one for me because CYC is so niche in the editorial space um, because we aren't people who come in and just kind of like ransack a piece of writing to tell you like how it's supposed to be written. Um, instead, we are a very collaborative, supportive group with our clients and customers. 
I need that person to be that way with CYC as well. That doesn't mean you can't disagree with me. I mean, team members disagree with me all the time. <laughs> like the way that I think something should be done. Um, we have a very, very like open policy in CYC of like, this is the system that Alyssa set up. But if you have suggestions to make it better, like, please let me know because, you know, shockingly, it, it was sad for me to learn it the day that I learned it as well. But like, I don't know everything and <laughs> I am not always right. So, um, so, so we have a lot of that. And I ask for a lot of feedback from my team as well. You know, we have documents that are put together of kind of some SOPs um, and like procedures and processes and that sort of thing, but also like values documents and also different things of like expectations for the team and ways that we do our first round edits, our second round edits, our proofreading edits um, that we can all reference, but I'll periodically send out the document. I mean, these people are editors and writing coaches. This is their jam. I'll send out those documents and say, hey, this is our current version of the first round editing, content editing kind of heuristics and how-tos and style guide and everything else of the inherent way that CYC does first round editing. Can everyone jump in and like give me feedback? Like, are there things that we should be adding? Are there things that we should, should be subtracting? Are there things that are written here that you as a first round editor are like, oh, we don't do that. And that means that either we need to talk about not doing that or you and I need to talk one-on-one -on -one about like how you can do that more, <laughs> um, different things like that. So that again, I, I, I want CYC to be as collaborative internally as we are externally. Absolutely. And I have no doubt that that collaborative culture is what one of the defining reasons why your team is so close knit. I also know that like, I suspect your team became even more close knit after having having to experience together a pretty unfortunate experience. Would you be willing to kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, um, I apologize to everyone listening in the audience if I get um, a little bit choked up about this because it uh, just happened earlier this year. Um, we had a proofreader and she's, she's an amazing proofreader and um, she had started taking on um, some content writing roles for us and different things like that. She was always, um, I got this great suggestion from uh, Carrie McKeegan with Greenback Tax uh, Services that we, expat taxes, I should say, we have like silly random little Wednesday questions to just like water cooler, like, hey, tell me about this thing very voluntary, but kind of a fun way to get to know each other. And she was always in there being fun and kind of commenting and creating that, again, like that, that team atmosphere, that stuff that you don't necessarily get with asynchronous communication because you're not having those conversations unless someone asks. And she kind of went AWOL um, at the end of April and she wasn't responding. Um, she said that she basically responded to Lewina um, when she was late on a task and said, you know, hey, I haven't been feeling well. I might need to take an extra day or two. And so, you know, it's, of course, like it's our policy. We have multiple people to be able to cover positions and roles and things like that if it needs to be, um, because you're a human and you come first, as long as you can come back better than what you currently are at. Um, take as much time as you need. And uh, 
And so she came back and was like, Hey, I've rested up. I think I'm doing better. So we assigned her, you know, I think another um, proofreading assignment. And then she had another newsletter, my weekly newsletters for CYC. I write the essay and a few other pieces that are in there. And then we have someone else on the team write some of the write-ups and things like that based on stuff that I've curated. And, uh, and she just hadn't done the write-ups. She like went totally AWOL again on this, um, this proofreading assignment. And I was, um, it, was, it was a stressful time in CYC just in general. And so I had kind of, you know, messaged her and said like, but Luina had messaged her once or twice and she had responded back and was kind of like, yeah, so sorry. Like, I'll get to that. Like, I'm going to do it tonight. And then, you know, it was two days later and nothing had gotten done. Um, I ended up having to message her at that point in time being like, hey, is everything okay? Like what's going on? I'm more concerned about you than like a proofreading assignment, you know? Um, and she hadn't responded back and then you know, just kind of like ghosted um, her, her Twitter said something that the, the very dangers of checking someone's social media and thinking you have any idea what's going on in their life. Um, it was some sort of Nigerian holiday and she, you know, made some sort of joke about like, oh, I should probably be working, but I'm not going to. And that kind of like fired me up a little bit more. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, so then I sent another email being like, hey, like what's going on? I, I'm honestly concerned mostly with this lack of communication, communication, like in an asynchronous organization like CYC, communication is the most important thing. Like if you tell me what's going on, then I can figure out a way to solve it, take care of the work, take care of everything in a way that is good for you, takes care of you, figures out what you need but also get CYC what it needs. Make sure that we're not, you know, deficient on any of our client assignments. Make sure that my newsletters are getting done, different things like that. Like, just tell me what's going on. Um, and she, you know, didn't respond to that email. Went through the whole weekend, Monday, still no response. So I kind of sent another like, hey, like what is going on? Um, I had to add on a temporary proofreader from an old contractor who I basically was like, hey, can you provide some like quick emergency coverage? I have this proofreader that's gone AWOL and I have assignments piling up like, and so he was very kind and gracious. And so of course, like I can do a couple of weeks for you guys, no problem. So I went into our Google workspace console to add him on email. And only because I did that did I learn that I could see when my team members had last logged into their email addresses. And I saw that she had logged in on Sunday afternoon, but had not sent me an email to my like, hey, I just need to go know what's going on. So I messaged her on Monday morning and said, look, like this is just bridging on unacceptable. Like I just need to get a response from you. I hope you are okay. What is happening? And I got an email from her brother, a reply that um, he basically let me know on Monday morning that uh, Jemima had passed away on Thursday and that he uh, was trying to, you know, take care of all of her arrangements and everything um, that she is such a, she was such a phenomenal person that she had actually like given him something that she wanted to let us know that she like 
really loved her time working with CYC and that it was, you know, a taste of what she had hoped to do for the rest of her life. So she really wanted to thank me personally for that. Um, and he, you know, basically said like, if there are any logistics or anything you need me to sort out, but I am kind of dealing with my sister's death. So like, please not too much kind of thing. Um, and that is, yeah, basically how I, I learned uh, that one of my team members had passed away um, very unexpectedly to me. Um, she had sickle cell anemia, which uh, in the post times I have learned is um, actually a, a very rampant problem in um, African people. So, um, so it was something that I think people around her were a bit more prepared for and it just kind of hit all of us like a ton of bricks. I can only imagine and I'm so sorry that that happened. Um, like that's no, I feel like as you know, founders and as managers, we're always told to think through and let me figure out how to phrase this. Like, you know, the hit by a bus scenario and it's like your key person, but you never, ever, ever imagine that that's actually going to be the case until something like tragic like this does happen. How do you, when, so when you get this message from her brother saying, you know, she's passed away, how do you, A, comprehend that personally? Because that's not just a professional thing. You clearly had a bond um, and a connection and like almost like we're like a mentor to her. Um, and two, how do you like, you know, communicate that to the team? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's not easy and it's not fun. I think kind of what you're talking about um, and it's how I've always viewed it before. Um, you know, when you think of the like key person hit by a bus, you know, as business owners uh, and managers, we kind of separate ourselves emotionally from that by thinking, you know, oh, what's my contingency plan? What am I going to do task-wise? Like, how do I replace that person? And that's definitely from a business perspective, an extremely smart thing to do. However, if you are one of those business owners or managers who also happens to be a human, um, it's a lot harder to do that um, without also taking on, you know, all of the, the loss and the grief and the emotion um, of someone passing away that was close to you. So for, for me, you know, I emailed her brother and just was like, oh my God, I am so sorry. Like both for my tone in messages, um, I felt like possibly the biggest, very bad words that I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say on your podcast or not. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, basically, um, you know, please let me know if there's anything else I can do. Jemima, is an Jemima was an amazing human being. Like, you know, we, we are going to be feeling her loss for such a long time. And then um, I was staying with family. So um, kind of walked out of my bedroom um, it happened, I work very early. So I think it was like 6.30 in the morning. Um, my sister was up getting food, lunch ready for her daughter for school. And I just kind of was like, so I found out my proofreader hasn't been responding to me. She, you know, died. 
Um, and then just kind of like started sobbing in my sister's kitchen. <laughs> um, one of those moments that I was very happy to be staying with people who know me so that I was not by myself, just sobbing in a kitchen. Um, and then kind of the next thing was, yeah, like letting uh, my key person. So I let, you know, Eric and Luina um, privately message them to be like, hey, just found out what's going on. Cause obviously the three of us had kind of been like, where the F is this girl? Like shit needs to get done. Um, so kind of messaged them and was like, Hey, so I have an update, um, to let them know directly since it was a point of conversation and all three of us had been involved in trying to get in touch with her. Um, and then, you know, sent a message to kind of our company Slack channel to let them know, you know, and as kind of way possible, like uh, Jemima had passed away, um, co copying and pasting some of what um, her brother had sent from her directly that she really loved her time working with CYC and everyone on the team, um, letting the team know that if anyone needed to take any like grief or bereavement time, um, I was completely open to that and they just needed to message me directly and we would figure out a way to cover tasks and assignments. Um, so that the team was taken care of, messaged, uh, there were two clients that she was exclusively on their account. So messaged those two clients to, again, let them know that um, she had passed away so she would no longer be working on their accounts. But um, I was quickly in the process of working to find a replacement. Um, and in the meantime, they would be working with this kind of interim uh, proofreader who one of them had actually worked with previously emailed the interim proofreader to kind of let him know, uh, hey, so like things have taken a turn. Uh, I need to hire a new proofreader now. Um, is there any way you can work through the end of May um, so that I can um, hire quickly, but intelligently? And yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of the immediacy of, of, of what I did and then kind of making the announcements and letting the team know um, and then basically I think probably the, the hardest part, and it honestly took me about six weeks. Um, I, I sent a letter in uh, May, um, because she and I had been writing the newsletter together for so long at that point in time. Um, we were in like the middle of a series, actually an educational series. And every time I opened that Google doc, like I, I just, um, uh, sorry. I just remembered like conversations that she and I had had about creative things and the way that she would write this particular thing or like comments and notes that we would make to each other um, and the things that she had had her brother say to me. And I just, I, I couldn't finish the newsletter because that was like the end of, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, that was good. the end of being able to work with her. Like as soon as that newsletter got sent, then she, I wasn't, you know, making any more newsletters with her. Yeah. Um, so, um, so we sent a newsletter kind of letting people know that I would be taking a break from newsletters for a while for this reason. I had a bunch of people who responded that are clients that are on our newsletter or CYC contributors that, um, you know, just wanted to send their condolences 
because they had worked with her on different things um, and, you know, confirmed that she was an amazing person. And then, yeah, the next thing was just kind of working on um, getting a new person hired um, and going through the process as I, I shared before, my, my hiring process for getting someone in. Um, did note in the job ad that this was, you know, kind of um, an emergency hire for a recent um, loss on the team um, so that people kind of knew that whoever was applying that they would be kind of like jumping into it right off um, that there, you know, would obviously be a, an onboarding process and everything else, but that um, we had an immediate need that needed to be filled um, for an unexpected loss. So ended up hiring a fantastic proofreader, actually ended up hiring two fantastic proofreaders because part of the stress was my other long-term senior proofreader was out on medical leave for a surgery that he had uh, towards the end of April. So I knew that I had, he was gone. Uh, <laughs> I had no other proofreaders. Um, so hired a proofreader, hired a backup proofreader, who's also coincidentally a graphic designer for some um, graphic design work that I needed help on. Um, and in interviewing my um, proofreader, ended up being able to bring on a second actually, I think it's our fourth content editor um, for a new client that we were taking on that was going to require a very specialized skill set. So, so it ended up working out well in the interviewing process and that the three top candidates that I had, I ended up having needs for them on the team in various capacities. And um, that ended up being great. It's kind of a, um, I, 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 I don't necessarily always believe in this kind of stuff, but you know, I, I like to think that Jemima kind of made sure we were going to be taken care of. Yeah, that's a really nice way to look at it. Um, when you, and it sounds like a lot of things ended up like, you know, you ended up finding like really, really good people for the team. But like, I can only imagine like there is definitely probably, there's like a void that takes place when you have something like that that does happen in the team. Or were there things that you kind of did consciously or even subconsciously to like make the new people who are coming in like you know feel welcome but also not be completely like you know in that process I think I was honest with all three of them uh in the interview itself of why we were filling the roles so quickly so that they knew kind of what they were walking into and then for every new team member that we bring onto the team anyways um I always make an announcement again in our company slack channel kind of letting them know that someone else has been brought on, that this is their background and everything else and asking the team to welcome them in. Jemima, uh, Luina and Erica always jump on a call with the new team members in addition to me so that they have kind of contacts on the team as well. And that's like what we do for everyone who joins CYC. So that is part of our onboarding process is making sure that they are immediately made to feel welcome and made to know that they are worthwhile contributors to what CYC is, making sure that they have a couple personal connections with myself and Luina and Erica so that anything that needs to be helped, they have kind of three people that they can go to. And then, yeah, being very honest with them kind of about like why they were brought on, 
um, what the, the circumstances were. Definitely not in a way of like, you will now be measured against, but um, kind of letting them know that like, you know, this, this is a, a delicate situation um, just so that you are aware. Um, Cause I didn't, you know, want anyone to really walk into that. Um, probably I think the the person who's the two people who've had to, to suffer the most um, through all of it uh, are, are Erica and Luina because of um, the newsletter, which mm-hmm. is an extremely important piece of our content and how we communicate with clients and customers and everything else. And um, I, I, on my um, failures and deficiencies, sounds like a, those are words that are way stronger than what is actually happening, but they are on it. They are fulfilling what their needs are. Luina writes fantastic content for the newsletter in Jemima's place. Erica is wonderful doing all the stuff of the newsletter. I um, am dragging my feet and struggling to get back onto the swing of it all. Um, So I think they are probably the two who have to kind of deal with it the most other than the new people. Yeah, absolutely. So going through that experience, um, are there like any, like, are there any things that like, you know, has changed about your approach to how you lead and show up as a leader within your organization? Um, I, I think it does make me even more cognizant of making sure that my people have very open communications with me so that I, I know, um, I, I think it's no fault of Jemima's in any way, shape or form. And as a contractor, as an employee, as a whatever, like you do not have to disclose anything about yourself to anyone that you do not want to. But if I had known that things were getting a bit more dire earlier on, rather than just like, yeah, sorry, I'm not, I'm, I'm feeling a bit under the weather, whether I've had a headache, like I'll be back in a day or two. Um, I, I might have um, reacted differently, which is much more about my own selfishness and guilt um, than it is about her. But I think it also would have helped me kind of figure out a, a game plan a bit better because it would not have taken me aback so much. Um, so, you know, just kind of that open communication um, and really reinforcing it with my team members and making sure that they know, like, please talk to me, like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. I, I don't need to know all the details. I don't need to know the situation. But like, if you need to take a couple days, if you have a physical illness, if you have a mental or emotional illness, if you decide that you want to take a three-day weekend and go somewhere, like, please just let me know, like take care of yourselves. Like, just let me know, take care of yourselves. Those are the, the, the tenets of, um, of, of CYC kind of workplace uh, logistics. Um, and then I think I, I like to think, and I'm probably not as good about this and I do need to be even better, but just kind of um, making sure that my team kind of knows that I, I appreciate them and the, the things that they do and what they add to the team, because, you know, I I want everyone to feel like Jemima did, that this is, you know, a a position and a job that's exactly what they want to do in life. Um, 
And so like, if I'm able to help them manifest that, um, that's kind of what I strive even more for. It's a, I, I have a, an actual written kind of goal um, for that. So being more appreciative, probably need to be even more appreciative than more appreciative. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I feel like, yeah. I mean, I know I can totally relate to like the angle of like, you know, making sure that you are showing appreciation and telling people when they're absolutely crushing it and doing an amazing job. It's so easy to like forget to do that, but it can mean so much to the recipient. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, one of the things, another thing we do in onboarding is, um, an onboarding like contractors questionnaire where I ask people like how do you like to be rewarded how do you like to be appreciated and I think I have something in there like other than money because obviously if you do a good job I will give you money <laughs> but like you know what what other things and uh, you know but we're all we're all word nerds on CYC um, on the team so I think pretty much every single person um, you know many of them will make a flippant joke about like, well, money's good, but also like words of appreciation, like being told when I'm doing a good job, I have notes of like, which team members like to be publicly acknowledged, which ones would prefer to have like more of a private one-on-one -on -one acknowledgement, different things like that. So that I can try to, to show that appreciation and to share like small wins, you know, if a client or a writer that we've worked with writes back, to an email I've sent and just as like, oh my God, I just had such a fantastic experience with your team. Like I'll screenshot it and put it into a uh, channel that we have on CYC called on our Slack called wins, just so that the whole team knows, like you guys are doing a fantastic job. Like I get to hear it all the time because I have these communications with the clients and the writers and everything. And I want to make sure that you know that they say these fantastic things about you. Yeah. That is just like a really, really, really solid tip. Um, and I could keep talking with you on the podcast for hours, but I also want to be respectful of your time. Um, so thank you so much again, Alyssa. Where can listeners find you online? Yeah, so I usually tell people the easiest place to find me is craft your content um, because those words are a lot easier to spell than my own name. Uh, so it's craftyourcontent.com. Um, if you go into the about section, you'll find me really fast. My name's Alyssa Deset. Um, if you really want to get ambitious, you can try to find me. Twitter is my social media of choice, but um, definitely recommend craftyourcontent.com. And then from there, you can almost always find me. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.